Caution, the contents of this podcast may be historical, but they're still served piping hot. We're brewing up the classics here on the Coffeehouse Classical Music Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Coffeehouse Classical Music Podcast. My name is Asa. And I'm Allison. Well, 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 if it isn't episode 52, and you know what that means. We've been going strong for two years, bringing you history, theory, and musical musings every two weeks. And we hope during our episodes you have learned something new, or discovered new composers and new music, and maybe you've developed your own listening skills. So as it is our podcast birthday, we thought that we'd celebrate by talking about someone who is probably the most famous classical composer of all time, Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart. So as a disclaimer, since we do have some time constraints on our podcast, there is far more information out there about marvelous Mr. Mozart than what we have to fit in this episode. As always, our resources are listed in the reference page on our website, and of course, a quick web search will provide you with literally millions of results if you would like to take your Mozart knowledge to new heights. And to that end, since there is way too much to list right here, we're going to be doing this episode of Mozart in two parts. This first will cover all of his history, and the second will dive into the Divertimento in F major, uh, K number 138. But don't fear, because this next episode will actually come out one week from now, not two as normal, so you get a little bit of a quick turnaround. As our birthday present to you. Exactly. So, let's get started. Young Mozart was born in 1756 in Salzburg, Austria. And his full name is actually Johann Chrysostom Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart. Wow. (laughs) What a name. Mozart's father, Leopold Mozart, was already a successful musician, serving as an assistant concertmaster for the court in Salzburg. Little Mozart was fascinated by music from an early age. As an infant, he would eagerly look on as his sister, Maria Anna, learned piano from her father. And not one to stifle his young son's interest, Leopold began teaching Wolfgang music at the age of four. And from this early age, Mozart excelled at all aspects of music— from performing to composing and even listening, apparently having an uncanny pitch memory. When he was only five years old, Leopold took Mozart and Maria Anna to Munich and Vienna for public piano performances for courts and nobility. And these were a smashing success, especially to have such young people as Mozart and Maria Anna perform at such high levels. Interestingly, Leopold himself described Mozart as, quote, a miracle from God, and also felt that it was his duty to have as many people as possible hear his young son play. And as a side note, he would also get rich from those concert sales, which was not a bad perk. And thus began Leopold and Wolfgang's Grand European Tour. They toured everywhere, all around Germany, Austria, France, England, the Netherlands, Switzerland, anywhere there was a strong cultural or musical center they performed. They finally arrived back in Salzburg after nearly three years of travel and performance with the entire family. During this trip, Wolfgang Mozart's first music was published in Paris. He also met the biggest names in the classical world, including Johann Christian Bach, or the London Bach, who had a strong influence on Mozart's early symphonies. And this was a huge deal, as the symphony was just starting to become the genre that we have come to know and love. During the previous Baroque era, symphonies as we know them didn't quite exist yet. 
Then the classical masters, such as Johann Christian Bach, really made a symphony the thing we know today as a multi-movement work for large instrumentations. And this all paved the way for those in the mid-classical era, such as Mozart, who really honed the symphonic craft and became rock stars for it. And on a side note, those who came in the musical generation after Mozart, such as Beethoven, were writing a quote, classical genre, but they pushed the limits so hard that they actually pushed the course of human history into the new era of what we have come to know and love as the Romantic era. After this tour stunt was over, young Mozart put out a few more compositions with not as celebrated success as his father hoped for. Undeterred, however, Mozart composed an Italian opera buffa that was performed and well-liked at the Salzburg court, and the now 13-year-old was named a, quote, honorary concertmaster at the court serving under his father. And this kind of seems like a very silly award, and it kind of seems like his father just called in some favors, pulled some strings to have this fake honor bestowed upon his son, as any proud father would do in his position, I assume. But anything to keep up morale. Mozart, however, did not take this opportunity lightly, and he actually dabbled in many genres, expanding his symphonic output and also perfecting his chamber music game. By this point in his life, Mozart had outgrown the Salzburg court. He aspired to bigger cities, and so he set out, accompanied by his older sister, in search of a new job. However, unable to nail anything down and having run out of money, he arrived back home even more empty-handed than before and had to pawn off some possessions to travel back. And unfortunately, as we'll see, this is not an isolated incident, as he was quite cavalier with money throughout his entire life, and it was also not a great trip, as Mozart's mother died while he was away. Fortunately, his father Leopold came to the rescue by securing Mozart the position as court organist in Salzburg, which was an upgrade from his previous position. However, Mozart did eventually free himself out of the court life when he was 25 years old and moved to Vienna to freelance as a composer and performer, and he actually did pretty well with this gig. With some help from his father's early career planning for him, Mozart had really made a name for himself and he accumulated several commissions and pupils almost immediately. He was also successful in finding love in Vienna and against his father's wishes, as it interrupted his career somewhat, Mozart married Constance Weber, who was the cousin of Karl Maria von Weber. Mozart also met and became good friends with Joseph Haydn, and the two often played together when Haydn visited Vienna in the future. This is the time of Mozart's career that we know as the classical Mozart, and out of this time came great opera such as Don Giovanni and the Magic Flute, of which also pays homage to his membership in the Freemasons. And of note, Freemasonry was actually banned during this time by the Pope himself. However, since Mozart was writing a lot of music that was very well loved by the Catholic community at the time, he was able to keep his Masonic involvement on the down low, so as to still hang with his Mason buddies but not compromise his career. And of course, out of this Viennese period also came his greatest chamber works, such as Eine Kleine Nachtmusik. Unfortunately, also during this time in Vienna, Mozart led a very extravagant life, renting out grand places to live, work, and perform. 
He felt his days of freelancing might be coming to an end as he was quickly running out of funds, and he set out once again to try to find another court job. However, even being the genius he was, these were hard to come by at this time. The Prussian-type courts in Germany and Austria were turning their sights to the fancy new Italians, and it is from this struggle that the myth of Mozart and his nemesis Salieri comes from. So while there's lots of popular media out there such as the film Amadeus that depicts these two rivals hating each other and even the speculation that Salieri had a hand in Mozart's death, this is pretty much false. In fact, there's actually a cantata that was co-written by both of them in honor of a famous soprano's return to the stage after an illness, showing that they were colleagues and had a professional relationship. Between 1789 and 1790, Mozart went on a series of trips once again. It is at this time we see his most mature symphonic output with works such as the Jupiter Symphony. However, a few years earlier, his father, who he still corresponded with regularly, had died, and Mozart was still plagued by financial instability and overall led a somewhat anxious life that led to a period of depression. In these later years, Mozart also befriended the best clarinetist of the era, Anton Stadler. Excited about this newer instrument, Mozart composed chamber works, and in particular, a clarinet concerto, particularly for the skill of Stadler. The clarinet concerto was finished in 1791 and would become the last piece of music that Mozart ever completed. In addition to his growing depression, Mozart also contracted an unknown disease associated with some sort of fever. Interestingly, during his sickness, Mozart was commissioned to write a requiem or a mass for the dead. His sickness, as well as a mania that was brought on by his depression, spurred him to finish this project before his own impending doom that he feared was near, and unfortunately he did die before its completion at only 35 years old. He left behind over 600 expertly composed pieces, including at least 56 numbered symphonies, and only two of them in minor keys, hundreds of chamber works, and hundreds more keyboard works. Now, you may have heard that Mozart did not know who had commissioned the Requiem, but it was actually known that it was Anton Leitgeb, son of Vienna's mayor, who commissioned it to honor his late wife. Mozart's widow, Constanz, was afraid to give away the music for two reasons. One, it wasn't finished, and she was afraid the upfront paid money would be taken back. And two, Leitgeb has a habit of taking credit for other people's work. But eventually, Franz Javer Sussmeier, one of Mozart's students, worked to recopy and finish up the work, and it was handed over. As expected, Mozart didn't get credit, but Constanz was a devoted wife, and after ten years of petitioning, finally got the credit directed back to her late genius husband. So as you can see, Mozart, though he led a short life, led a very full and interesting life. And again, we do encourage you to go learn more about him with our resources or resources of your own. And remember, we will be diving into some of Mozart's music, particularly a string divertimento in F, next week. That's next week, not two weeks from now. So thank you very much for listening to the Coffeehouse Classical Music Podcast. If you like what we do, please share it with a friend and stay tuned for next week as we go back and listen to more Mozart. For the Coffeehouse Classical Music Podcast, I'm Asa. And I'm Allison. Thank you so much for listening. 
Mozart's Divertimento in FK138 and Eine Kleine Lachtmusik were performed by a Far Cry Ensemble. Rondo Alaturka from Piano Sonata No. 11 in A was performed by Eduardo. The Dies Irae from Requiem in D minor was arranged for recorders and voices and performed by Papalin. You can find the Coffee House on iTunes or Google Play, like our Facebook page, and follow our Instagram for updates. You can email us at coffeehouseclassical at gmail.com. Thank you.